welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the podcast that explores the lives and works of 18th, 19th and 20th century women writers. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman. And I am your host, Lauren Burke. And this week on the show, we are continuing our discussion of Louisa May Alcott and her short story, How I Went Into Service. So this is kind of a continuation of our episode from last week where we discussed Alcott's book called Work, A Story of Experience. But if you skipped that one, um, let me just tell you, our overall consensus was that we were glad that the book happened, but it's like a bit of a mess on the runway. I mean, what do you think? Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. But if we didn't have work, we would never have found how I went into service, which I do right. quite like. So yeah. Yeah. So it's Silver good. Lining. You can kind of like <laughs> compare and contrast here. Well, I will say this, like one of the big issues with work is that um, it's so rushed, right? And then like last week um, I had mentioned that after the success of Little Women, publishers were just desperate to get anything from Louisa May Alcott, you know, just like, hey, we just need something with your name on it. Mm-hmm. And um, the Christian Union, offered her actually $3,000 for something that they could serialize. So that's what the rush was all about with work. And also that's free money. Like that is printing itself. Yeah. You're not going to turn that down, are you? Because as we discussed last week, a lot of dependents, like there were a lot of outgoing. So she had that money coming in, but it was going straight back out again. So mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to turn down three grand. And For something know. that's just in a drawer. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Can't blame her. Can't blame her. How I Went into Service is a very lately fictionalized account of Louisa's own experience as a companion. And I say lately fictionalized. I mean, it's pretty much true. She just changes the names um, with this guy. And it is a short story that also um, tackles the same themes as work. And it was written around the same time. Like she kind of starts it. She stops it. She rewrites it. It's kind of all over the place. But um, the thing, the big difference between the two is that service doesn't feel rushed and somehow manages to do all of the work that I wanted work to do in 14 pages. Right. Which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Now I will say, I reread it. I was very angry Mm -hmm. with work when I read this. So I don't think it's perfect. I think we almost need a third piece. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I want. I want I want Alcott <laughs> to go back to service, think about what went wrong in work, and then maybe work on some of the pace thing here. But it doesn't feel rushed. It's much shorter. And I think it's more authentic, right? Yes. Like you really get a sense for Alcott. And it's that realism that's coming through. So instead of giving you a nutshell, I'm just going to say in Louise's own words, what she wrote in her diary after this experience. Mm-hmm. She says, I go to Dedham as a servant and try it for a month, but get starved and frozen and give it up. Yeah. So I feel like that's an accurate uh, kind of summing up of what happens in this piece. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. But in kind of long form, it's about a young girl. She's 18. She goes to work as a companion for a family. There is um, the Reverend Josephus. And his elderly father and his sister Eliza and then the servant whose name was Pua. Yes. 
Pua. I had a cat called Pui, so, you know. Yeah, I, I did think of... about your cat, actually, when I saw that name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was really fond of it. So she goes and, you know, she's not really sure. There's like a weird vibe in the house. It seems to just focus on this one guy, the Reverend Josephus. And she realizes that although the job was advertised to her as being a companion to his sister, he's really hiring a companion for himself. And mm -hmm. it's kind of explicitly because she's young and female and he just wants this like pretty little face coming in, dusting his things, bringing him meals, listening to his boring, boring stories yeah. and being at his beck and call. And so she pushes back against that. And then because she does that, he decides that he's going to punish her by giving her menial work, like hard physical labor and just mm -hmm. jobs that, you know, women shouldn't be doing. Uh, mm -hmm. So she sticks out as long as she can and then eventually leaves. Yeah. And he gives her like. No, that's why for... I'm going to. I was going to oh, read that bit. It was going to be like okay. a reveal. Just like I won't it say in it. the book. I'll cut that out. I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, cast your mind back to a couple episodes where I told the pots of gold story about Louisa May Alcott and James T. Fields, also known as Hannah fucking fields yes thank you um i said it was hospital sketches that he read and didn't care for but it was actually how i went to service so i apologize lma experts it was this piece um sidebar we can talk about this a little bit later in the episode i um i kind of see why he rejected it even though it's a good piece of writing but I we'll, don't. We'll yeah, we'll get into it. I, I yeah, kind we'll of that. do see it as well. That's the. Don't you feel awful <laughs> for a couple I of see reasons? Why he, you're like, eh, yeah. If I, I can him, see why it wouldn't have worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it did finally get published, not until 1874, uh, and it was published in the Independent. And don't worry, it's totally free to read on the internet, like all good stories are. And so we will be sharing the link for this if you haven't read it already over in the Facebook group. So if you haven't read it yet, I'd really recommend hit and pause, mm -hmm. spending an hour reading it because it's very short. It's only 14 pages and then coming back and join us. OK, yes. OK, guys, go. And you're back. Oh, you're still with us if you never left. Yeah, po that's possible. So um, I'm going to tell you the things that I liked about service. That's what I'm calling it. Just service. Yeah, like that snappy. Yeah, because, you know, I don't have time for that whole title, guys. <laughs> Number one thing that I liked about this versus work, which was I could actually relate to the protagonist. Like it right up front. She is a likable gal, isn't she? <laughs> What she's a person. <laughs> she's, she's not a like person. a moral. Totally. I mean, she's restless. Like she's tried all these careers. They haven't really worked out. She's described as the black sheep of the family. So immediately I'm on her side. I'm like rooting mm -hmm. for her. I'm like, okay, I need you to have a win. Um, actually, I think uh, this line, this line happens here right up front. She will be back in a week was my sister's prophecy as she wiped her weeping eye. Like her sister's laughing yeah. at her like, yeah, OK, you're going to go out and take this job as a companion. I give it a week. See you soon. But just also like that whole opening where she is like she's listing off all of the different things that she's tried doing, the reasons that she is not pursuing them anymore. And so you do kind of get that 
idea of why perhaps the family is laughing they're like you've tried all of yeah. these things and now you think you're going to go and work as a servant like I okay mean, you can't do any of this other stuff like you haven't stuck to that and when you know when we talk about Austin we talk about Henry Austin and how everyone's always got the Henry of the family who's got all of their different schemes and mm-hmm. you know that's Alcott that is Alcott it gave me a really good understanding of like who she was mm-hmm. And she also does say like, hey, I was I tried to write, but I was only making like five dollars a story, whereas I should have been making hundreds of dollars per story. I couldn't live off of my writing. Um, Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth for so many new writers? Like, thank you, Louise. Exposure doesn't pay the bills. LMA. True story. (laughs) Um, Another thing I really loved about this story, the letter, that upfront letter. So, okay, That letter is funny. I really like it. Good. There's so many things about this letter that I love. So she accepts the job as a companion to Eliza. Mm -hmm. And she's just going to like hang with Eliza. They're going to do some light sewing, some light housework. They're going to be gals. It's going to be a great life. And the brother, I can't, Josephus. Josephus. Joey. Josephus. Joey. Joey. So Joe sends this letter to her just kind of outlining like what's going on in the house what you can expect so you know what good intentions i'd say but he's really just like laying the foundation like he's grooming her these are not good intentions i shouldn't say he's shit talking and he knows exactly (laughs) what he's doing he is such a soft boy oh he is okay this letter is so long and i was trying to find points to read like there's so many good sentences to read so i don't know if you want to read your favorite sentences oh so i really like eliza my sister is a child of 40 oh that was crazy (laughs) that's so rude uh pua who in my estimation is a wretch that's rude you know um oh my gosh there's lots of stuff on pua like oh she's evil like my sister and my 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 father really love her, but she, you know, she hates me and I don't understand why. I've only been kind and like yeah, loving I'm, towards her. He's like, oh, I've been permitted to rescue a few rooms from ruin. And here I pass my recluse life surrounded by the things I love, you know, like old vinyl that I've cre- collected, <laughs> like <laughs> vintage gaming station i don't just i don't know what oh it is my God. like he's a no, real you're like totally right he would be that guy today yeah he's like doing I, things well it does have almost like a very jane Eyre vibe like he says um you will find a stately mansion falling fast into decay for my father will have nothing repaired preferring that the old house and its master should crumble away together i have however been permitted to rescue a few rooms from ruin and here i pass my recluse life Surrounded by the things that I love. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's very romantic. And it's also like, it's kind of leading right into some of this like gothic language that she uses later on when she actually goes to the house. Here she says, I arrived at twilight, just the proper time for the heroine to appear, which is like, so Catherine Moreland. Yeah. And as no one answered my modest solo on the rusty knocker, I walked in and looked around me. Yes. Here was the long, shadowy hall where the ghost doubtless walked at midnight. I was like, yeah, I'm pumped for this story. It's funny as well, because actually, you know, Felicity Jones, J.J. Field, they'd be a great casting in this. If it was set in England or if they could do good American accents, I don't know. 
but it's you know well, the, yeah. the Northanger Abbey vibes are strong they're really strong yes. in that section if you know the entire circumstances of these two people meeting each other is different uh blah blah right. blah, blah, blah I'm not saying they're the same well I mean here you do actually have these two people meeting and it all goes badly right mm-hmm. it is like Jane Eyre or Northanger Abbey except for it has the opposite ending yeah very true and well when you say about Jane Eyre as well it's almost like he reminds me of Rochester but if Mr. Rochester was 20 years younger and his dad was still alive and mm-hmm. he uh wore headphones all the time and was like you wouldn't understand <laughs> me only my reddit friends do <laughs> so modern oh i yeah i mean this guy is still alive this guy is <laughs> he's a vampire definitely. i have met him <laughs> well that's why it's so satisfying when she finally snaps at him right mm-hmm. i mean that was another favorite section um for me like in the book so she's like literally on her hands and knees just scrubbing the floor like cinderella style and he just keeps coming at her and just like is talking at her constantly. And where is the line exactly? Oh, he says, do you mean to say that you prefer to scrub the hearth to sitting in my charming room while I read Heigl to you? He demanded, <laughs> glaring down upon me. Infinitely, I responded. <laughs> I really, I think this is ripe for a very you know like all of the language and the setting and everything keep that historical but just like the feel of it like a Mm -hmm. very modern adaptation in in terms of tone I think I think it's time I just yes I read this I just laughed all the way through honestly and it's you know I read a few essays about it and they they talk about how you know, obviously it's like this horrible experience that she's writing about. And I don't know if it's just because you're so detached from it and it feels like fiction and it is compelling. But I was just like, it's too, I'm not scared by this because I know she will survive it because we've all survived it a hundred thousand million times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's just like, you just laugh because she's just got his number and she's written this. And now the whole world knows that this is what this guy is. Yes. Do you think she actually said that in real life? Like that she actually like, because I think she goes on to say like, infinitely I responded promptly and emphasized my words by beginning to scrub with a zeal that made the bricks white with foam. Then I think he leaves the room and yeah. she starts singing. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And I'm like, did she have the balls to do this in real life? I really wonder. I Do you think she did it? I mean, okay. So it's fictionalized. So like maybe she didn't however mm-hmm. yeah i can totally imagine louisa may alcott doing that yeah i'm just <laughs> in my too. head i just keep thinking the bitch ran <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was jogging she was cussing she was well it becomes such a standoff between these oh, two and it such becomes a such a relatable movie. standoff mm-hmm. yes okay so tell me what did you love about this piece before we really get into this dude bro so yeah, I mean, I think we've both said that just the narrative voice, you really relate to her. She's like super plucky. She's super determined. But unlike Christy, she's a catty bee. 
Yes. Right? She's, yes. Rude. <laughs> She's rude to people. And also mm-hmm. she owns it. She makes all of these kind of preconceived ideas about Pua and her situation. And like, she's, yeah, you know, my family aren't supporting me. They suck, you know? And then mm-hmm. she'll, she'll follow up like two pages later with, oh, maybe I was wrong. Or like, maybe yeah. I was an idiot and I listened to this man and let him change my, you know, determine my yeah. opinion. Again, we've all done that. We've all been the girl who's, dating the guy and the guy's like you know my ex is a crazy bitch right and then you meet her and you're like oh no she's nice you're a monster yeah <laughs> definitely but and you know how it's just sad you know some things never change and it's sad mm-hmm. that like this is still something that is relatable and that this is a story that you can read now and be like oh I've lived that but also great it's a yes. great feeling um so Oh, she does have this annoying habit, though. There is one time where she re- refers to herself in the third person. And each time I've read this, I've come across to the line when she goes, then I'll try it, responded the impetuous maid. And I'm like, you're talking about yourself. And also, yeah, like this book is in first person. So what? You- <laughs> Just- it's a little jarring. Like, I see what she's going for. Yeah, but also, but I bet jarring. she does it. I bet she did that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's just like a little quirk, like a little character quirk. And I was like, mm-hmm. it felt it felt like a real thing that someone would say, but something yeah. that an annoying person would say, which <laughs> just made me like her. Because um, I refer to myself in the third person all the time. So, it happens. Yes. Oh, I really liked this line where she, uh, where Josephus is kind of telling her about the work. And again, just mm-hmm. imagine this in like a really whiny voice because I read everything he said not as aggressive but as whiny yeah sad so, lad yeah Aggress- like yeah passive aggressive sad like lad. he has I'm not you know he has all of the power in this situation like I'm not trying to de- deny or diminish that but just mm-hmm. the like he's insidious the way he does it and it's not he's not even mean he's just like yeah I'm a baby <laughs> so um it goes, the labor is very light for there are but three of us and our habits are of the simplest sort. I am a frail reed and may break at any moment. So is my sister and my aged father cannot long remain. Therefore, money is little to us and anyone who comes to lend her youth and strength to our feeble household will not be forgotten in the end, I assure you. Oh, yeah. A feeble reed. Ooh. I need your youth and your strength. Ladies, gals in your teens and 20s who are listening to this show, just take it from a gal in her 30s. Do not do not give away your youth and your strength to some <laughs> <laughs> passive aggressive sad lad. I, I also <laughs> I also just really liked Louise's explanation of like why she's going to, you know, Bunny is like lower herself to doing service. And yeah. She, she's just like, I'm too proud to be idle and dependent, madam. I'll scrub floors. I'll take the washing. I'll take in washing first. I do housework at home for love. Why not do it abroad for money? I like it better than teaching. It's healthier than sewing and it's surer than writing. So why not try it? Right. And that does, I think like that is what she's trying to say in work, but Mm -hmm. she says in one line right at the top of the book. So you've just got it. And again, it's something, it's an image and an idea. Like she talks about those three occupations. One, because she's young, she's a young writer when she's doing this. So like those are the jobs that she's had. That has been her experience. But Mm. I think it's a really confident writing technique for her to introduce that in the first paragraph 
to then bring it kind of back two or three times in the middle of the story and then end on that note yeah you know like I loved that and it was just like really it really reasserts that this isn't a girl this isn't her first job she isn't just like she's naive but it's a naivety based on her uh previous experience right Mm -hmm. does that yes that makes sense she's got an idea of what's going on but she just needs to learn a little more about sad lads Mm -hmm. and yeah just I think really it's just it it just feels so much funnier than work right there's the moment where she is packing and she's just like yeah I made myself some like aprons I'm gonna take these little bonnets and you know they might come in handy it's like she's she's gonna dress the part Yeah, yeah, she's like wearing a costume. She's like getting dressed up like, oh, I'm going to be a maid. She's like got this really romantic idea of what it's going to be. And also she's mm-hmm. like, needless to say, they were very becoming. So she's also like, again, it's that that level of self-knowledge, self-awareness where she acknowledges, I put these caps in because they made me look nice. Right. You know, and it's just this little kind of vanity. And she isn't writing this character who's trying to be pure and wholesome and right all mm-hmm. of the time. Um, it uh, also made her look nice for her and for her to get herself into the work, mm-hmm. not for him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Not- that that misunderstanding comes where he's like, she's dressing up for me, for my benefit. Yeah, and, and he references he references her aprons. He goes, oh, I like seeing your, your little aprons and your caps. Like, yeah. I appreciate that. And so mm-hmm. he misreads it. But that's his, that's his problem. That's not that's her his problem. problem. It's not yeah. her problem at all. Uh, to go back, just because this bit about Pua in the letter was so good. But um, so he tries to justify the letter that he sends. And he says, like, oh, I tell you these things because I wish you to know all and be warned. For this old hag has a specious tongue. And I would grieve to see you deceived by her lies. So say nothing, but watch her silently and help me to thwart her evil plots. But do not trust her or beware. Yeah. That's beware. like that little old woman who works in this house. <laughs> It's so funny because you are reading this letter and you're like, what is going on with this Pua? And then you meet her and she is, yeah, just a sweet little old woman. Yeah. And it's just, and the whole reason that he doesn't, because she doesn't care. She doesn't doesn't respect him or like bow down to his needs. And it says, you know, she raised him as a child. She boxed his ears and then she ignored him as a young man. And this Mm -hmm. is where, you know, therein lies the problem. Right. Yeah. Well, she is this like stand in mother figure who does not give a shit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of moments great salty Louisa moments um, and not even just like from bro Joe but just from Louisa the character yeah. Um, so yeah Miss Eliza was a non-entity and made no more impression on me than a fly yeah rude wow rude very rude but then even Eliza has those moments because she says you know don't bother me and she's got like this wait or was that him I often need a few moments of solitude before I face the daily annoyances of my life. And I haven't attributed that, but I actually think that might even be Bro that Joe. That might be him. That might be Bro Joe. I don't care who it is. I feel that. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and people try and talk to me. And I'm honestly, I'm like, excuse me, I just need to retire to my, oh, my that's chamber how I... before I face the daily, uh, the daily annoyances of my life. <laughs> so my big issue with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that the tension kind of builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and then it fizzles away softly, mm-hmm. disappears. 
Um, and like the work starts to get harder and harder. She's rebuffing him. She's, you know, denying his advances. But there's never really a moment. And so like the description of the boot incident, which I think is like the penultimate insult, is great. So Lauren, do you want to read the bit about the boots? Okay. He had brushed them himself at first, but soon after the explosion, I discovered a pair of muddy boots in the shed set suggestively near the blacking box. I did not take the hint, feeling instinctively that this amiable being was trying how much I would bear for the sake of peace. The boots remained untouched, and another pair soon came to keep them company, whereat I smiled wickedly as I chopped just kindling enough for my own use. I love that bit. Like, I'm going to go out here and do my own thing and completely ignore your fucking boots. Day after day, this collection grew and neither party gave in. Boots were succeeded by shoes, then rubbers, then rubbers. Oh, it's like a galoshes. It's like a thing that you put over uh, your yes. shoes. Like waves, Thank you. Right? Sorry. My mind went to Not an, an eraser, not a condom, depending on uh, what yes. country you're listening to this in. Yes. <laughs> So boots were succeeded by shoes, then rubbers, gave a pleasing variety to the long line, and then I knew the end was near. But I like, do love that. Yes. Yeah, the building, building, that. building. Yeah. And I know the longer this the gets. Line, the, yep. the line of boots. It's so visual. It's perfect. You can imagine that soft pan, the slow move across of the camera in my mm-hmm. kind of, you know, very crisp, almost like a love and friendship adaptation. I'd give yes. this. That's the treatment, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Slowly getting muddier and muddier. Rubbers mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. Well, we said this last episode, right? Like Louisa doesn't linger in the unpleasant, mm-hmm. and we could use a few more examples of this just to really drive this point home. Yes, because it basically it gets to the point where um, the boot situation uh, comes to a head, and she's like, "Hey, I'm not going to clean your boots." Um, the dad's kind of out of the picture anyway. Eliza just, she, you know, she does that thing where she's like, oh, I'm ill, you know, goes and yeah. hides in her room. Then Pua goes and hides in the room with her. And then Alcott tells us that Louisa and Josephus are having this, like, this battle, this head-to-head, this tension, and it's awful and it's really unpleasant. But we don't see any of it. Right. Because she skips over and that is what the book needs like it's not Mm -hmm. even a book this is what that short story needs I think maybe three pages on that and I want like an explosive angry awful moment I like I can't Mm -hmm. figure out what I think that would be though that's the only thing it almost feels like Alcott isn't telling us something yes and I would say and I know that we'll you'll share your views on why you don't think it was accepted kind of in a minute but for mm-hmm. me, as a as a woman, if I was uh, editing this or if someone presented this to me, I would say, this is your pain point. And like this, you, you need to lean in here. And until you've yeah. done that work, this isn't ready to go to print. Definitely. Because it builds up to that. And then the end is great. It's still a strong mm-hmm. ending. Like I love the ending. It's this. We get to the conflict and we're not allowed to see it. And that is hard as a reader. Yeah, because it's it like is. the wind is just taken out of your sails. So, and again, similar complaint with work. I don't know James T. Fields as an editor. I do know that he was the editor of the Atlantic Monthly, which is a very prestigious position. But I think 
you're exactly right as far as like the short story mechanics go with that there's structural problems mm-hmm. or a big problem that needs to be fixed or if he just was dismissive because he's like this doesn't seem like insidious behavior right like yeah, he didn't see it as a problem so he's like this is just a, a list of jobs that you didn't want to do to a man who was being very polite to you Right. So I yeah. don't I can't pinpoint like what his issue was. Maybe it's both. But as a as a male, like, is he going to read this story in this time and like get it? Whereas I think a female editor would read the story and be like, oh, my God. OK, <laughs> I still don't think I. Yeah, I still think a lot of people will read this and be like, I, I don't see quite what the problem is, what the here. problem is. And especially when you read stuff around this essay because I think mm-hmm. it's very easy to read it and be like this is snappy this is witty this is funny and then you read stuff and they're talking about like this you know this horrible experience that yeah I'm also assuming is this employment from what I've read so like there's subtext and there's stuff going on here that I think just a lot of people aren't going to see so we've talked about the ending we've kind of talked about that lack of conflict but she does bring it back really strong and there is just this one like there's so much good stuff in there but this one paragraph really stood out to me um and it goes and she's so she's just left she's she's walked out she's left them on their own to their own devices they've not been able to replace her i never shall forget that day a bleak march afternoon a sloppy lonely road and one horse crow stalking about a field so like josephus that i could not resist throwing a snowball at him <laughs> Behind me stood the dull old house, no longer either mysterious or romantic in my disenchanted eyes. Before me rumbled the barrow, bearing my dilapidated wardrobe, and in my pocket reposed what I fondly hoped was, if not a liberal, at least an honest return for seven weeks of the hardest work I ever did. Unable to resist the desire to see what my earnings were, I opened the purse and beheld... Four dollars? Four dollars now i screamed that because she is in italics oh yeah it's like four four (laughs) dollars and again just made me laugh out loud that stingy git yes the bitterness the bitterness is what work needed Mm -hmm. because it makes it real because we all understand working and not being valued for our work yeah you have anything else to say about service or no? Louisa May Alcott to close out Louisa May Alcott. Um, Louisa May Alcott, uh, thank you for joining us again uh, in spirit in 2019. I felt like our relationship was a lot stronger in 2018. Uh, you know, it was a bit rocky because rereading mm-hmm. a childhood favorite as an adult is always a challenge. Um, yes. We nearly fell out over work. I didn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. But this, you brought me back. And what's nice is that it was you. This was a bit yeah. of you, and that's a bit of me. Thank you. I think um, <laughs> if she was living today, she would have been more of a like an essayist. Like this, I would have been, like wanted to see more of than the children's mm-hmm. writing. Like, hey, Louisa May Alcott, want to see some Guardian pieces, some long form writing for the Ooh. New York Times? Yeah, this, but the Guardian Long Read podcast. <laughs> that's a podcast. That's Louisa great. May Alcott, just come back from the dead, and I'll be your agent. Yes. We can help you out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, guys, if you would like to read these pieces and share your thoughts, then you should hit us up on social media. And Hannah, 
what is social media? Where is it going long term? Like, what's the what's the future hold for social media? And then where can you find Bonnet's done? Well, I really think that the future of social media uh, is actually going to be about less connectivity and more uh, kind of isolation on the Mm. internet. So it's kind of more of you as an individual and less of us as a group. So that's my prediction uh, for the future. And if you'd like to come with me on that journey of isolation, you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. You can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com or you can find our Facebook group by searching Bonnets at Dawn. Sounds great. We will be back next week with a new writer. Bye, guys. Bye.